0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: North London is red. Arsenal take three points against Tottenham. We got Man City beating Fulham. Manchester United beats West Ham. Leicester City destroy sheffield united and much more in the premier league in our weekend recap we have serie a la liga bundesliga and much more jimmy conrad and heath pierce joining of course que Golazo. weekend recap begins right now Hey, everybody, we want you to compete with us in a bracket challenge game because March Madness is here. I'll be in there. Jimmy Conrad will be in there. Heath Pierce will be in there. We're going to get everybody in there from K Golasso, And we want you as well. Join us at CBSports.com forward slash Golazo brackets and the winner gets a prize. And who enters just one pool, by the way? That's crazy talk. You can also create a group to compete against friends and fill out your bracket for the chance to win a Nissan Rogue and a trip to the 2022 Final Four. You can play on the CBS Sports app or at CBSports.com forward slash golazo brackets. March Madness is here and so is Que Golazo. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gagolaso Weekend Recap. And of course, as always, with me is Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy, what's up, man? What's up, guys? How's
2: everybody doing? Very excited to get after it today. Like always, great energy because there's so many great games to
1: talk about. You always bring it, brother. All right. And with us, of course, as well, Heath Pierce. A very happy Heath Pierce, I am sure. How are you, HP? I'm doing
3: great. Plus, Jimmy had some uh, real good music in the waiting room before we started this thing, so I'm, I'm I'm vibing right now.
1: Yeah, he had Gangster, some work, some work from Gangster. I love it. I love it. Uh, and uh, let's get to work, as Gangster would say, everybody. Let's get into it. Let's begin with the Premier League, and let's talk, because Heath is here. We're feeling in a good mood. Let's <laughs> do it, baby. North London Derby. Arsenal win 2-1 against tottenham a really entertaining game actually uh i I thought uh but arsenal come out victorious uh, a a key victory for Mikel arteta and co um heath let's begin with you as the arsenal fan Let, let talk to me how did you like this game
3: yeah i loved it i thought i thought it was a really complete performance from from arsenal i think that's what leaves arsenal fans uh something to be desired. Right. I, I think when I went into this match, I was actually the thing that I was most excited about is, Oh, Gareth Bale in a North London Derby. This is really fun. I like it. You know, he's been good lately. Didn't really care so much about the result as much, you know, both these teams, it didn't have the same excitement as it usually does for me because you know, both of these teams are usually fighting for uh, European spots, not to say that they aren't at this point, but my, my ambition going into this was, was more of like, you know, uh, what, what's something I can, you know, sink my teeth into, but Arsenal was really good. Um, and, and they, sh- they shut down a lot of the strength and, and attack that, that Spurs are capable of bringing, especially in North London Derby. So overall, uh, a huge win for, for, uh, for Arsenal. Oh, yeah. also, by the way, you know, and, and, I know we'll get into this, but you know, without a P- Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang in the lineup who, who had broken, uh, broken the rules, like a naughty boy, um, breaking, breaking <laughs> team rules.
1: Like a naughty boy, he didn't make it. Uh, but let's go through the game a little bit. Uh, obviously, uh, Tottenham took the lead thanks to that ridiculous Pushkas contender by Eric Lamela with a Rabona, which was also a nutmeg, by the way. Uh, but then uh, Arsenal came crawling back with uh, Martin Odegaard equalizing. And of course, at the very end, they get that winner. Jimmy Conrad. Hi. Talk to me about this game. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Uh,
2: good. Happy to be here.
1: Give me your key. Uh, We're going to get back and forth into this game. yeah, But talk to me about this game. What would you make of it?
2: I thought, uh, to Heath's Heath's point, I thought Arsenal were very good. Uh, The full 90 minutes, they were very good. Well, let me say I'll take that back. The last 10 minutes was a bit nervy. But uh, that's to be expected, I think, in some ways, when even though Spurs had 10 players at that point, they were going to push reckless abandon. They were just going to go for it and see if they could get something at the end. They nearly did with Harry Kane hitting the post. What I'll say, though, what I really liked about Arsenal were their first half. They were very good at creating numerical advantages. They were forcing Gareth Bale and Hingman's son before he got hurt in the 19th minutes uh, to defend, to go out and defend. And so they created these numerical advantages and Tierney did up uh, Matt Doherty. I don't think Matt Doherty, who is a lifelong Arsenal fan, by the way, and he, he had to delete all of his, his tweets that said he loved Arsenal before Aren't we all, Spurs. Jimmy? Aren't we all? Well, deep down, I think we are, uh, Heath. I think we all are harboring some closet love for for Arsenal, just given all their success in the past and, and the glory years. But Doherty was not good for me. But in fairness to him, he didn't have any help. So when you have to deal with a uh, Smith Rowe, who's kind of in that pocket next to off of one of your shoulders. And then you got tyranny bombing around the side to overlap. It does get quite difficult. And if you don't have a winger who's out there doing at least the bare minimum, it's going to be a long day at the office for you. And it was a long one for Doherty, but fair play to Arsenal. I thought tactically they were a little bit more astute. I was really disappointed in Spurs, despite the fact that they were up one zero, they had scored four goals in three out of their last four games. And they come back into this one and sit back. Like why not just, the matter, the pounds, man, <laughs> <laughs> just sit, Just go try to step on their throats, you know, go get after it. You had some momentum, especially going forward. Gareth Bale in particular, like let those guys go, let them be free and push up a little bit higher. But Jose Mourinho's tactics almost worked though. Let's be honest. If, if Arsenal don't get that goal right before halftime, then Jose Mourinho once again says, listen, I play these negative tactics. He would never call it negative tactics and I'm still up one zero and it, it just doesn't seem right. And counterintuitive in some ways, but, but so I'm glad Arsenal scored. They were the better team on the day. I thought they deserved to win. And, and Spurs now have some issues, not only with trying to figure out their identity still, like are they the ones that score four goals a game or are they want to sit back in a game where they should push? Now they have Hingman's son that's hurt. Gareth Bale, which version of him is going to show up? I don't know. So there, there's all these different things, but i really, really pleased for Arsenal. It's only one loss for them in their last eight games in all competitions. Maybe they can find themselves, maybe, maybe sneaking into a last Europe, European spot, but. Uh, I wouldn't get to <laughs> just want to be just be better than Tottenham at this point. Right, Heath? Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, Arsenal, well done. They're into 10th place, massively into 10th and on the same points against Aston Villa, uh, who are ahead of them on goal difference uh, and the fact that they beat them twice. But Heath Pierce, hey, listen, question for you. Alexander mm-hmm. Lacazette, Uh the penalty. Was it a penalty?
2: I mean, you're asking me?
1: Yep. I'm asking yeah, you. Because, of yeah, of course
2: it's a penalty. You know, of
1: course it's a no, penalty. No, no, no,
2: no, 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 no. Talk, talk to me as a defender, Heath is that a penalty if you're a defender
3: when Arsenal's playing or <laughs>
0: listen,
3: <laughs> I don't know what you why are you guys why are you guys putting me on the spot here you know uh, like uh, you know there's, there's the once oper- a need you know uh, uh but but yeah no I think I I, I agree I, I as a defender no
2: as a defender no uh, but I add- would be so pissed if that got called against me because it was clear that Lacazette flubbed it. <laughs> I was going yeah. out for a throw in I think it wasn't even going out for a core- goal kick. It was going out for a throw in that's how bad he missed it. But
1: you, you don't know- see why I asked the question because, you know, it's clearly that Lacazette absolutely missed it. And on that miss, uh, his motion made him fall, but Davinson Sanchez did himself no favors by Agreed. Uh, by being quite, you know, full with it. But, you know, in the age of VAR, you could look at that. So, asking you again, Heath Pierce, as a defender, was it a penalty?
3: No, absolutely not. But this is the same conversation <laughs> as, as, as you have with, with goalkeepers, right? So often you'll see a goalkeeper come out, scissor with his legs and get, get somebody's body and get, a, get away with it or come out and be big where their legs are open and they're going shin height. You saw, um, Ronaldo Cristiano Ronaldo's penalty today same thing he takes a horrible touch right but but now they're starting to call it more on on on, uh on goalkeepers for you know you get that touch you kick it into the you kick it into the the seventh row but the goalkeeper gets you after because you you're drawing it those are the kinds of things and and we talk about a lot circumstantially this is the feel of the game and I go back to like when when um Luis Garcia was saying months ago about hey it'd be good to have a player in the room to be like no he's drawing it there because it's this idea of like, if I can just get to the ball first and then you tackle me after, it doesn't matter where the ball goes. Uh, it doesn't matter how long or bad the touch is, where it's going, how far out it's going, or any of those things. It's just about the fact that you hit me after I touched it first. And while I do think, again, those types of things are going to continue to happen, and yet yeah, there is a danger and reckless challenges that do take place there, when you're a defender or you see a goalkeeper do that and you you know, you know see him hit the player and then you look around and you see the ball is nowhere to be found because the guy was never even trying to finish it. He was never trying to get a touch. Uh, those are the things that are certainly frustrating. But on a day like today, I tend to be a little more lenient towards... Uh,
1: Interesting. towards uh, uh, <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Interesting on days like today. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, anything to add on that?
4: Oh,
2: my, of course I do. So listen, listen, listen. The Jordan Pickford, when he crushed Virgil van Dyke to end his season, yeah. there was nothing called on that, right? It was just a goal kick afterwards?
1: No, yeah, it was, it was, there was nothing, nothing, Okay, there was, good.
2: I just want to make sure I understand that because I think this is where we get frustrated as fans because that's essentially the same play. Van Dyke gets to the ball first. Pickford absolutely crushes him. You know, no you guys out for the season. Obviously, that's secondary to the to the play itself. But but the lack of consistency, good. lack of consistency with these referees is I think what gets us most frustrated. If you're gonna call something then call it the same throughout the whole season. And then everybody kind of knows. But when it's like this, oh, well, yeah, this. And then, well, well, now I'm going to call it. It's just that's where we all get frustrated. From a mm-hmm. defensive perspective, that is not a penalty. However, Davinson Sanchez, only all he has to do in that situation is just get an arm on Lacazette. Just, just give him a nudge. Just let him know that you're close enough to, to if he takes that extra touch, you are then going to tackle him. For him to leave his feet in that, yes, it puts him at risk, as you mentioned, with, especially with VAR to to have it be called back. They definitely were hard done by with regard to that with Spurs. That said, over the balance of the game, I thought Arsenal deserved the points. Oh, if only because they tried to win the game. Spurs are just just sitting back and hoping they win the game, and and I hate that. And 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 that's what I don't like about Jose Mourinho's teams and tactics. Sometimes, you have the talent, just go. But anyway, that's the I, thing- go ahead.
3: My thing is that they rested all these players for this game. And then they came out and sat back. You don't need to rest players if you're just going to sit back. The players are already resting. You know, and I know I not to disrespect sitting back because anybody who's played in any sort of defensive system, it is a lot of work. It is uh, when you have to be dialed in mentally, physically, maybe you're not as moving as much, but mentally you don't get to shut off when you sit in blocks. And, you know, it's not like a passive type of defending thing. But, yeah, you rest players to come into this game. Come out. Come out flying. Take some risks. Uh, and and the last thing, my, my final note, by the way, because I know I jumped in and interrupted here. That's I okay. like I like Odegaard at Arsenal. I, I was, like
2: I, did, that I was like my it. point. Yeah. So my point, my point is, when I look at this lineup for Arsenal, Smith Rowe, Odegaard, and Saka is the future. And if you can't lock in Odegaard, you got to find somebody who's like him because that has really changed their team in so many different ways. That youthful exuberance, that that willingness to try things, I think has made Lacazette and Aubameyang both look younger in some ways because they're around this this enthusiasm, this energy that these young guys have, and this this. They're not afraid of anything, these three. And, and, and I think that's really changed the balance of the team. And when you have Thomas Partey and, and Jaka really learning how to sit and work together as a partnership in front of that back four, and you got those guys bombing forward, Arsenal are only going to get better in this system, especially I thought Gabriel was immense today as a center back. He was our he best player, moves. I think. Yeah, he was very good. David Luiz, when he plays within himself, obviously very solid as well. So, yeah, lots to unpack there. We haven't talked about Pierre-Emerick Yang we should because there's speculation as to why he didn't play in this at all or didn't start. Apparently he was late. I guess that's what we're speculating.
1: That's what Andres Cantor said on uh, Telemundo Sports. So I'm wondering that, that, you know, from his reports from, so I'm wondering if that's the case indeed that he was late to a meeting or the last training or something like that.
2: For, for me and I want to get Heath's take on this. I don't think that is the first time that's happened. I don't think you punish somebody of that magnitude within your team If that was the one time that he just happened to be a few minutes late to the bus or five minutes late to the bus or whatever it is, I just don't see it. I know that as a manager, you want to set a culture and even your top guys have to play by the rules, right? They they can't just make their own rules because of the superstars or the captains. That said, I feel like he's a repeat offender. (laughs) And, And I feel like it got to the point where Arteta had to do something because you can't hold these other guys accountable and not your star player. That, that's my thoughts on that. That's what I'm, I'm reading between the lines here, but I wanted to get his, his points or opinions.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. You know you know that the moment you're coming out with certain statements or leaving things up for speculation, right? How many times have we heard like, oh, didn't pass the phys- like the medical or the physical before <laughs> a game? And you're like, oh, well, he, he looks, it looks fine. Uh, and you know, it's like, it's the sign of like, we're keeping this and how something is not right. But that's the kind of thing that I think is probably an early test in Arteta's career. I I agree. It does sound like there's a repeat offense here. And when you're looking at the guys you just mentioned, Odegaard, Saka, uh, Smith-Rowe, you need to set an example for these guys. And they are definitely looking at Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who's got a gold Lamborghini and drives crazy cars. He's got his G-Wagon, his Lamborghini, his Ferraris. (laughs) Like, your young guy's dreaming, right? These guys are all on the verge of, and and I'm sure they're all making great money, but on the verge of of that serious money. And they haven't made it yet. They're showing flashes. And if you have anybody in the locker room that can, can sway those opinions, the guy that they look up to, the guy who's on that crazy, crazy money, who was scoring at will last season and isn't this year, you want to be able to nip that in the bud as me as quickly as possible. And eventually you have to put your foot down and, and making an example, I don't know if it motivates it or if it hurts the locker room or whatever, it it certainly doesn't seem like the right time to do it before North London Derby to be like, Hey, you showed up to mealtime 10 minutes late or 15 minutes late or, or whatever it is, right? Like usually there's, there's a few, there's a few more layers to that onion. Uh, If you're going to, especially around a timing like this, this Mm -hmm. time in the season, a player like that, that's so important um you know to put your foot down now it would, it would assume that we've gone the whole season without anybody m- missing a meeting like late to a meeting I mean this happens weekly in clubs you know and there are all those people that you know that sort of tiptoe in af- and they're late and things like that so to me yeah it, it, it just it feels like there's something bigger going on hopefully not bigger but something more uh, repetitive going on that he's trying to uh, get control over. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, Aubameyang or not, Arsenal take three points, 2-1. They lie in 10th place. And Tottenham, of course, uh, hold on at the top. But obviously, you know, things will get more complicated as the Europa League second leg comes in of the round 16. And also, they visit Aston Villa for a key uh, game, really, in the the top half of the table. All right, let's continue here in the Premier League, everybody. Uh, Let's just quickly talk about Man City who were very angry about what happened against (laughs) Manchester United, and they thought they'd just take all their frustrations, Jimmy Conrad, on Fulham. And uh, Pep Guardiola, once again, could care less about your fantasy Premier League team. He absolutely (laughs) rotated like crazy. It worked. Uh, Fulham did show some sparks, but in the end, Man City, whether it's your second team, third team, fourth team, your groundskeeper, uh, they're just going to take care of business. And they went 3-0, Jimmy Conrad.
2: They did. It was 0-0 at half. So, in fairness to Fulham, they kind of held on and, and figured out how to slow down this machine known as, yeah, I mean, city. as I mentioned at
1: the beginning Fulham did try hard. At the yeah, game. they,
2: <laughs> they yeah, did. Yeah. The, my, my big issue is if, if you're going to play a team like man city and obviously they're going to have a ton of possession as they did in this one, and you can't give up goals on set pieces and they gave up a goal on a set piece two minutes after halftime to John stones. If you're going to lose to city, make them beat you because of their quality in any other area of the field. Don't piss the ball away. Like we saw Fulham do for the second goal. Don't piss the ball away again for the third one, which leads to a penalty, which gives Sergio Aguero his first goal in the Premier League since January, 2020. don't do those things and then you might give yourself a chance against manchester city
1: well the second and third goal i'll give you that but the first one that was a good ball in from Jerkin i mean you know you no, put, it's you a great had, ball you had a really like rooted at the spot that's a top. the second and third goal i'll give it to you but the first no, but one that was it's, a pretty still, good
2: ball. it's still a set piece you got john St- like for me for me and, and heath knows this set pieces have nothing to do with talent nothing absolutely zero to do with talent and everything to do with desire and concentration and focus and an attitude that i'm going to get to this ball before the guy that i'm marking is and i'm, I'm going to do my job and i'm going to be ready for the next ball when it's ready when, when when you're getting beat to those spots by man city players that that's just you're not going to win games and so with all due respect to fulham you can't give up goals like that and i remember we played against germany we had uh Heath, did you play in that game again 2006 before the world cup we played against germany in a friendly at the west fallen stadion where bruce dortmund play and we were zero zero at half, and they got booed off the field. Jurgen Klinsmann was coach. Yogi Love was the assistant. And we came out at halftime going, all right, we might have a chance in this one. These guys are getting booed. Even though we didn't play, we weren't playing well, we still were in it. And and they scored two minutes after halftime because Chingy, like, ball went between his legs and, like, somehow deflects into our goal, and that was over. We were done. Just like this game. We tried to do too much. We tried to play our way out of it. We lose 4-1. 0 at half. We lose 4-1. So, so that killed us, though. Because that was a play that we should be able to handle. And it's not because of quality or any world-class ability or anything. So anyway, I'm going off on a rant. Fair play to City for being absolutely money as they are. And they punish you for half mistakes. And that's why they're going to go on to win the league and probably a whole bunch of other trophies.
1: Yeah, thank you for that flashback. Uh, this weekend uh, recap will be three hours long, everybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Heath Pearce, uh, Man City, very quick. Uh, yeah. uh, feeling a little bit better after that Man United loss.
3: Yeah, I mean they 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 rotated the the squad with like six or seven players or whatever. Jimmy, I only lost 1-0 in that Germany game by the way. Uh I cuz I it came on late and, uh, and 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 and, and Balak had had a dunk. I remember thinking like, <laughs> wow, th- these guys are good. Uh but no, I think uh City yeah, I, Fulham had actual chances. The only thing that I'll say is Fulham had real chances and real opportunities and they didn't really give up much. Like City didn't have much in the first half and that was where you know, the real swing happens once they get one on you. And I do think they were always going to have their chances. And I don't think Fulham really ever had a chance to win this,
2: but they could have zero, sl- zero yeah. shots on goal. Heath, for, Hulham, yeah. By
3: the
1: way. yeah. Yeah. Shots in total.
3: But like they, they were, they were in and around the goal in the first sure, half sure, a decent sure. amount, you know, like well, they
1: were, it was like, nil, nil at halftime. I mean, that's yeah.
3: all you listen,
1: you go in the dressing room, nil, nil at halftime against Man City, you're doing something right. Yeah. Okay.
3: And the last thing I'll say is it is, it is a mentality thing where you set your line. If you're not good, you know, you got to sit back deeper when you set your lines. You, you you know, you have to be on the same page. You can't shout anybody who's it, it's a mentality thing. You know, it's either you or me. We're going to get to it first, and I've got to find a way to stop you from getting to the spot you're trying to get to because you are trying to score. It's a mentality, uh, and I wasn't very good at that mentality.
1: <laughs> I will say this, though, and, Jimmy, we talk about this all the time during the week about – Tactics and formation, something that I was very, uh, I liked a lot is that uh, Pep uh, used uh, all his three main center backs in this one. Uh, He started uh, Ruben Diaz, he started Stones, Laporte, uh, he put Cancelo on one wing, Mendy on the other one. And then this sort of triangle uh, where, you know, Aguero would kind of drop a lot. uh, And then you would have uh, Rodri and Bernardo Silva, and then Ferran Torres and Gabriel. It was like such a, it was like another, oh, let me see what else I got in in here. you know, which is, you know, scary, once again, for everybody else. It, he probably made it up on the spot, like two days in training. Right? What, <laughs> what'd you make of it?
2: Yeah, with regard to the formation, I think we're seeing somewhat of a trend uh, from a 4-3-3, which was very fashionable for, uh, excuse me, for a while to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, three-one-four-two one 4 2 or a kind of a Where you have the three center backs, like you're talking about, and then you have these wing backs. It's becoming very fashionable to play this way. Uh, Cancelo and Mendy were the two guys here. We saw it with Madrid this past weekend because Sergio Ramos came back into the team. So they had Sergio Ramos, Nacho, and Varane. And then they let Vasquez and their other Mendy uh, bomb forward from there. And it's really creating these numerical advantages in certain ways, whether they try to find that numerical advantage centrally or out wide. And obviously, with the way that Pep plays, he tries to identify and sign players that have a high IQ for the game, so that they can just be plopped anywhere and know what to do and how to play and where to move and how to press. And so he has this benefit of that to to adapt and morph his his formation, probably in game, right? So we're probably, he he would be listening to this podcast, going, "Well, yeah, I started in that formation, but after twenty minutes, we moved into something different." You know, as as we adjusted to Fulham. So it's uh it's it's nice to have the plethora of options, as you mentioned and the depth that they have is why they're going to be in the running for up to four trophies this season, for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, just very quickly here, Heath. Uh, Sheffield United, Chris Wilder said, uh, you know, uh, he's gone, no longer the manager of Sheffield United. You know, everything that he's done for that club should be remembered, especially bringing them to the Premier League in the first place and that great run last season. But manager-less Sheffield United uh, lost 5 nothing against Leicester City, who really went out and made a point to make, I guess, against a a very down on their luck, Sheffield United. Um, What do you think about just Wilder overall and and what he's given to that club? And, you know, I just think he's I think he deserves a quick mention because of he's one of those managers that has stuck around with a club and kind of took them to the promised land and now, you know, no longer with them.
3: Yeah. And during a very, very hard period, right. It wasn't like there was free spending for him to be like, I'm going to go and build myself a sustainable roster. That's going right. to, you know, uh, make magic this season, you know, clubs are hard hit. And, and, you know, all we talk about is like, Oh, a poor, poor Barcelona are going to have to sell off their players because of the debt. Imagine the smaller clubs, you know, and and having to build a team in a period like this is, 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 uh, is really hard. So I think, you know, huge respect for sure. Obviously, uh, a loss, uh, today, like uh, a five, zero, isn't the, isn't the best swan song for anyone to be remembered by as we remember, as we remember him. Uh, uh, although it is one of those indicators that's like, oh man, could you not stay another week? Just one more week. Could you not stay, you know, to the half line? I mean, they, they almost made it to half two and then it rained goals. And, and now I look back to that last week and I think about the most underrated player that we were talking about and saying, Ihanacho should have been.
1: Yeah, Both you know what's players. really annoying, man. I was ready to clip him for my fantasy. I was like, oh. nah, even I picked Bamford and he gets hurt.
2: I know. I have Bamford as well. I wanted to say that uh Sheffield United had never lost more than th- by a three-goal margin under Chris Wilder. And then the, oh, and the day go. that the, the game after he leaves, they lose by five. It's not not a coincidence.
1: No, no, absolutely spot on. It's not. It's not. He brought a lot to that team, aside from just getting them ready during the week. Uh, So, you know, but it is by mutual consent. And uh, Billy Sharp did say he felt that it was just, you know, he felt that it was coming at some point. So, but we'll see what happens. Surely they are going down and we'll see what happens uh, in the seasons to come. All right. Hey, everybody, we're going to stick around here. I want to keep talking for a second because Manchester United, as we're talking, is leading against West Ham. Scott McTominay with that win. Uh, Manchester United uh on, on course of, of a tough run here, Jimmy, because obviously AC Milan, that draw, then the West Ham, and then they got uh Milan again. Just where is Solskjaer's head at right now, do you think? Because the games are coming thick and fast. What's his priority here? Uh obviously a top four, but you know, now that you're going deeper in this Europa League, you you have to make sure that you you, you get your players focused for that as well.
2: Well, of course, securing this big win against West Ham, uh, I predicted a draw in the under two and a half goals. I thought West Ham was going to bring a little bit more. They didn't get even get a shot on goal in the first half, so it was clear what David Moyes' tactics were. Uh, no, fair Jeff play,
1: Ingard, I t- remember like him being tied for this one, not being a la- available. I think takes away a lot from. Yeah, one
2: hundred percent. No, that's a great point. Manchester United. You know, the more I get to watch him play. I love when Bruno Fernandes picks up the ball in between the space. He's just so good. And he's such a great link up player. And I know we'll get the Thomas Miller and Bayern Munich at some point, but I, I liken their games together. They're just, their teams are better when they're on the field and, and they're the grease that, that, that moves the wheel around. Anyway, with regard to the competitions, this is a big win for them. You know, another really tight performance doing what they have to do. If they can hold on to this one zero lead, this Milan game though, is very important. I'm sure that they do care about the Europa league quite a bit. They, probably feel pretty hard done by that they gave up that late goal to make it one, one with Milan. If anybody saw that game, a full 90 minutes, Milan were very good. Frank Cassier in particular, yeah. excellent in midfield. And, and I thought the, the draw was a fair result. So Milan now have a little bit of, of an edge now with that away goal. We'll see if they, if, if they don't have that, they got FA cup, right. And they have, and they have uh, just the league. They're going to finish in the top four. I'm not so worried about that, but then what? you know, then it's the FA cup. I I think Europa league is still a priority. They have to go and get that, get that, get the job done in, in in Italy this, this week.
1: Yeah. Uh, Heath, any thoughts on United?
2: Yeah. Look, I think, I think at this point it's
3: about, you know, what, what can you finish the year with? Where can you finish the year? Right. I think top four is realistic. I think for sure. I think a second place, whether it's second or third, is there a big difference? I I don't know if it's them or if it's Leicester. I think they're going to be the two, two and three. Um, but finishing second behind uh, another historic run of a man city i think is a respectable thing and like jimmy said you know w- with europa league you you've, you've got to go and go for this you got to have a deep run and then you then you can then you can round it out with an fa cup or something like that where where you you know i think that's a very successful season you know anytime you say manchester united it, it tends to be a very Celtic Rangers type of mentality where it's like trophy or bust. But when you, when you put it all into context of the last years and the fact that, you know, just six months ago, people were, were, were wanting all you know, lay out. Uh, and there was a lot of sort of just kind of, uh, nobody was settling on him as a manager and whatnot. You look at this and you go, okay, this is actually, you know, quite an impressive season, uh, overall. So, you know, if they can, if they can hold on to this to, to, which I, I believe that they will, um, you know, it, it's, it's still a ways to go to finish the season. But in this game in particular, uh, Rashford and Greenwood both had some major chances early on. And I thought, oh, no, it's going to be one of these days where, you know, your players that can be clinical um, or big, big saves from Fabianski, who's had a few mm-hmm, blinding mm-hmm. saves, um, it's going gonna, gonna to hurt them. But West Ham haven't been the West Ham that I've seen in, in weeks past against this Manchester United team.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's been tough. No, again, the Lingard thing, I think is something. And by the way, the Bruno Fernandes thing, like he, he, he plays every single game. I just, you know, I I don't want any injuries to happen to anybody, but you take away that player for a reasonable amount of time from this United squad. I wonder what that kind of team looks like. Uh, Jimmy, I know that you wanted to add. uh, add No,
2: I just want to say, because Milan is playing Napoli right now, they're down one zero and they're not playing well they're not getting a lot of chances and, and I'm keeping an eye on it here while we're talking just so I can get kind of, little pieces of it. But, but when I think about the Milan game in the first leg, now I know that Milan had a ton of injuries They're missing Zlatan and Rebic and all these guys. A lot of those guys will still be missing for leg two. But when you look at United's lineup for that, they didn't start Fred. They went with Matic and McTominay. I think Fred will start the second leg. They had Baian instead of Lindelof. And I think that's, that's significant. And then they had Tella starting instead of Luke Shaw. They didn't have their best 11, even though I like those guys. They didn't have their best 11. Daniel James started as well. So so I'm curious. I think they're going to roll out all their big guns, get everybody as healthy as possible. Hopefully Pogba's back, you know, and, and gives them an option. I'm not so sure if he will be, but but I, I suspect that Fred McTominay will start. And when those two guys start, I think maybe they've lost once, maybe twice all season when those two guys start. Yeah. And I think that quality, no disrespect to Matic, who I think is a tremendous player. He just doesn't cover as much ground as Fred. And I think that's going to make a big difference, especially when we're talking about Fran Kessier, who is so good in leg one for Milan.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, some other results from the weekend before we take a break, by the way, from the uh, Premier League, Newcastle Villa one all. Uh, <laughs> one game we both, Jimmy and I, would love to forget. Absolutely terrible <laughs> game. Uh, Leeds United nil, Chelsea nil, by the way. Um, Crystal Palace beating West Brom 1-0. Uh, Everton losing to Burnley, who for like 30 minutes, Burnley were like playing like 90s, 70s Brazil. It was just ridiculous. Uh, (laughs) But then again, Everton were allowing them to do so. Brighton beat Southampton 2-1. We've talked about the other games as well. And Wolves-Liverpool is on Monday. So anything to add from those games? Uh, Heath, let's begin with you.
3: Not really, to be honest, uh, there, there Maybe
1: isn't happy the Arsenal one. That's yeah, what... like, I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I,
3: I, luckily got, uh, all the ones that I like the most, uh, at the front end here. So I'll let you guys speak to uh, Newcastle Villa. If that's, uh, no, no, no we no, don't want, no. this. <laughs> Absolutely
2: I, I will speak to Leeds Chelsea though. Thomas Tuchel for him, not have lost yet. He's eight wins and four, four draws and zero losses Great. in his tenure. How you draw with Leeds and make that game, not boring, but kind of boring, Makes me wonder about Thomas Tuchel. Like, he's being very pragmatic, but it's not that much fun, and he's got a team that should be a lot more fun than they are. I will say, though, if you're a Chelsea fan, I like Kai Havertz up top. He had four shots. He should have probably buried one of them. He had a good look, waited a little bit too long, but I like him up there. I think that's where he feels most comfortable, and he did have a lot of success with Bayer Leverkusen playing in that spot. And then Everton, what are you doing? Losing to Burnley? What the hell is going wrong with you guys? Like, we're all excited that you guys are pretty good, and then you do this, and that's why you're not going to finish in the top six.
1: (laughs) That McNeil goal was a world <laughs> Unbelievable! I, Take I, a bow. That was I, I, that was ridiculous.
2: <laughs> I will say, by the way,
3: the Chelsea the Chelsea game they haven't won a game by more than two goals. They've been like one nil, one ones, two ones mm-hmm, since mm-hmm. since Tuchel came it in. And when I saw, but when I saw Leeds, I was like, finally, this could be one where they just <laughs> open up and I don't know they'll win four three or they'll draw three three, but it, they might like score a bunch of goals and and uh, you know they no, did not. Turns out.
1: The Thomas Tuchel system is all about adaptability. Just make sure that you're consistent, you adapt yourself to what you're facing, and that's it. You will not get fireworks. We we were just surprised that it was a stalemate against Leeds United because in many ways, they are contrasting philosophies, Bielsa and Tuchel. So that kind of opens it up. A little bit like when Guardiola Man City played Leeds, you thought that maybe it would open up a little bit. I agree completely with Jimmy on Kai Havertz, exactly what Lampard didn't do. Havertz is uh, so much better when he's more central and like uh, roaming around the box and being a little freer. Pulisic started in this one, by the way, Mm -hmm. he started brightly. Um, you know, but Leeds United, I think, held firm. They got a little lucky because there were a few opportunities when when they could have won, scored. But in the end, uh, Chelsea nil, Leeds United uh, nil. By the way, Manchester United did win, so one nothing. So there you have it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the rest of Europe, including La Liga, Serie A, Bundesliga, and much more. Que golazo weekend recap. We'll be right back. Do you need help filling out your bracket? CBS Sports HQ has got you covered with nonstop coverage of every game from every region of the NCAA tournament. Leave it to the experts this year. I know I will. We know you might be rusty after taking last year off, so make sure that you stream CBS Sports HQ all week long. March Madness, baby!
5: Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly and our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S.com slash CBS sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands.
0: Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Que golazo. We can recap with Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. All right, everybody, let's go to Spain. Let's talk La Liga for a second because I'll give you some scores and you tell me what you want to talk about. Um, Getafe, uh, the annoying Getafe. They're so annoying to play against. Uh, They get a point against Atletico Madrid. Real Madrid uh, win 2-1 against Elche, thanks to the one and only Karim Benzema. Absolutely unbelievable performance from him. Sevilla and Real Betis is going on right now as we tape. Barcelona, Huesca face each other on Monday. Anything from Spain, Jimmy, that you want to talk about?
2: Yeah, let's talk about Atleti dropping points uh, to Hatafe. They were up a man, uh, Atleti were. I after Hatafe got a red card uh, for, for the last 20 minutes. Atleti... My my fear when they dropped points against Levante, what a couple of weeks ago, in back to back games was that they weren't creating a lot of chances. Levante did a very good job of kind of handcuffing them in a lot of different ways. Today though, it wasn't that the, they had 15 shots, 72% possession. Uh, new signing Musa Dembele. This is only third appearance since joining uh, from France. Leo. He 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 had two sitters. One, the goalkeeper made a great save. In fairness, and he had to kind of adjust to get there. But one was like a diving header. All you had to do was pick a corner; it would have been in. And he put it wide
1: i totally so, forgot about that signing by the way oh uh,
2: yeah exactly and, and so i i i guess i don't i guess you only worry if you're a fan of a club if your team's not creating chances and they're stifled in some ways i'd like didn't have that today so ultimately i'm not too worried about them but you need to score those timely goals and we're going to get into it with some other teams here moving forward most notably inter milan and lataro martinez but i just think that david soria for David Soria, for for Hatafe, the goalkeeper stood on his head, man of the match for sure. Made a ton of saves, and that ultimately provided the. And you're going to run into that at some point, right? You play 34, 36, 38 games throughout a season. You're going to have a couple matches where you run into a goalkeeper who's just, like, you don't even know what to do. You can do everything you possibly can. This guy's just going to make the saves, and that's what they ran into today. But they also missed some sitters, so they're going to be disappointed. their Their lead is now six over Real Madrid, and it's ten, excuse me, seven over Barcelona. But Barcelona have a game in hand, as you mentioned. They are playing Huesca uh, tomorrow. I do want to say something about Real Madrid, though. Kareem Benzema scored in the 91st minute. This goal is absolutely ridiculous. Oh, it's so good. It was 1-1. And obviously, if they drop in any points, they're going to be out of the title race very quickly. So so for him to score and to put the team on his shoulders and, and make the plays that matter, I still feel like whatever, whatever you think about him as a person off the field, that's a whole different conversation. On the field, I feel like he's still criminally underrated in some ways.
1: 100%. He's just scored so,
2: so many goals, Champions League, La Liga, and he. It, these are the moments you're like, God damn it, Kareem Benzema is an excellent player. Go find this goal. Go watch it because it's it's a volley out, out from outside the box and just. I mean, side netting, it's unbelievable. I, I can't i can't sing his praises enough after his performance. Today.
1: Our friends are being sports, if you just watch the clip. Obviously, Ray Hutton is the one that usually goes crazy. Phil Shawn goes insane. The goal is fantastic. It's unbelievable. Absolutely correct. Heath, anything from La Liga that you wanted to bring up? Uh, Jimmy mentioned Atleti, of course, and then they face Chelsea, of course, in the Champions League this week. Anything from La Liga?
3: Yeah, it's funny. When you think about the lead that Atletico Madrid had at a certain point of the season in terms of points, you think about, oh, they could lose one here and there. But here's the problem with them, right? They don't lose, but they will draw. And they <laughs> if they continue to draw, they're giving up points. And those points, if you think about it now, five points, if, if, if Barcelona go on to win, it'll be a five-point gap, right? That is a couple draws away from being... In the next... How many games do they have left now, I guess? Uh, 11. 11? That is a lot of games to go without drawing in the style that they play, right? They If, if you're not willing to... Teams that, that you know that are going to score a bunch of goals and, run, you know, kind of control things, you're, you're fine. But if you're okay winning 1-0 or 2-1 or mostly 1-0s or 2-0s, like, you, you get yourself into trouble. And I was thinking about today, I, I was like, man, when I was doing the math before, I always thought about, like, I was plus and minusing three points all the time with Atletico Madrid, right? And then you stop to think where it's like, that's not where they're going to give up the points. They're going to give them up in draws. And if they draw two more times, this thing is completely wide open again. And even though they get a lot of chances, even though they have world-class attack, the style of play is set up to to be able to grind teams down and and, and get results. And I don't know if that's a recipe for success. I still think that they will win the league, but it it is one of those things where you're starting to wonder, like, if you have enough of these days that don't go your way, where if you hit the bar every single post three times and it doesn't land, like, do you have enough magic to be able to create – something that gets you three points over and over again for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah. You just gave me an argument, by the way, for, I've been going to Madrid will win this. I, I, you just might have changed my mind because as you were speaking, I was looking at the table, right? Barcelona, as Jimmy said, has that game in hand on Monday. They win that. they are four points behind. They still have to play each other. Okay. So let's say Barcelona wins that, right? That's a point. And Barcelona has a better goal difference. So to your point about draws, you will definitely see more draws from this athletic schedule a hundred percent so uh i don't know (laughs) jimmy what do you think
2: well so this is what i want to say and i want all of the the listeners to to partake in this conversation as well so hit us up at k golasso pod on twitter Mm. or jimmy conrad or heath or lm but i want to say that Will Will? if i was a like if, if you're a fan of a team that has a chance to finally win the league and, and kind of break through this two horse race that La Liga is. I don't think I'd want to be distracted with the champions league. I don't mm-hmm. think I'd want any midweek converse competitions to worry about. I want to have all my focus and drive and energy and enthusiasm towards this. And I wonder in some ways, if Diego Simeone, the manager of Atlanta, is thinking in the back of his mind, ah, if we lose to Chelsea, that would suck, but it's okay. Cause now it gives us a better chance to win the league.
1: Yeah, maybe. And, maybe. and,
2: and I don't know. I just don't know. Uh, To Heath's point, if the longer they, if they can get past Chelsea, the longer that they're in the champions league, the harder it's going to be for them to win La Liga. And and that's an interesting balance that I think Diego Simeone has to, that's a crazy challenge for them.
1: Especially in the system and the philosophy in which they play. uh, They do a lot lot of
2: work. They do a lot of running.
1: Yep. 100%. All right. Let's uh, keep going here. Uh, By the way, Sevilla is leading against Real Betis one, nothing with uh, in the 60th minute. Uh, but let's go. Let's go to the Bundesliga for a second here, because, uh, you know, Verde Bremen uh, loses 3-1 to Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich do their thing. But Leipzig, Leipzig uh, and Eintracht Frankfurt, a point, uh one 0 It's probably not going to be uh, satisfactory for either of them. Uh, Borussia Dortmund uh, went 2-0 against Hertha Berlin and Wolfsburg take advantage of lowly Schalke and destroy them five, nothing. And if you're saying, why are you talking about Wolfsburg? Well, my friends, they're in a Champions League spot. So they're still in the running for that, which is amazing. Uh, Jimmy, thoughts on Bundesliga.
2: Yeah, so first and foremost, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, Bayern Munich. I just, I can't say enough about their team in particular, but Thomas Muller, if you guys, again, I want you guys to find these highlights, watch them. He always makes the simple pass. He always is looking to bring people into the game. And if he can't get a good opportunity, he knows, and so do his teammates, that, that he's looking for them. And he's looking to set them up with something easy. The guy is ridiculous. And, and another guy that I think's, not that he's disrespected or, or maybe doesn't get uh, the credit he deserves. I think he does, but I feel like we should be celebrating him a little bit more. Fantastic player. So so Bayern Munich looking good, of course, heading into the Champions League games, as they do. Uh, Borussia Dortmund, Yusuf Mukuku. Uh, scored 16-year-old first home game Uh, first excuse me first goal he scored at home for Borussia Dortmund that kid's got Borussia Dortmund just just a factory for young players and then with regard to Leipzig Frankfurt both of those teams you know RB Leipzig's in in second Eintracht Frankfurt's in in fourth that was always going to be a tough one I think and I think a draw was a fair result from from uh, the portion of the game that I got to see and all the stats that bear out uh, so, so yeah, RB Leipzig, obviously not the greatest response to getting knocked out of the Champions League. They didn't lose, but now they're four points behind Bayern Munich. We know Bayern Munich was going to get on to win the league. So it's no big, big shocker there. We are hoping, hoping that RB Leipzig would keep it close, but, but uh, Eintracht, I thought deserved, deserved the goal. I thought that was a fair result.
1: Yeah. I mean, the winner there is Bayern Munich from that draw. 100%. Um, Heath, uh, thoughts on the Bundesliga?
2: Yeah, I think
3: you know Hoffenheim continue to sputter. I think um, I think uh, Bayer Leverkusen continue to sputter. And when you look at Eintracht Frankfurt, they were on a tear all season long. Uh, they've they've sort of uh, fallen off a little bit, even though a draw against against RB Leipzig is a huge result for them. But for the form that they've been in, and RB Leipzig, by the way, have to feel a little bit hard done by the fact that they probably you know again they haven't been playing fantastically. They've been they've they've been playing a very yeah, maybe it is their version of fantastic, but but for, in terms of the Gagan press, it can be pretty entertaining at times and it hasn't been for them. They've been really leaving it to individual moments and grinding out as a team, which I think is an amazing uh, uh, system of play. But uh, when you when you look at, the fact that they're no, now four points behind Bayern Munich, they're out of the Champions League against the Liverpool team, that if it was ever going to be a chance for them to continue that journey again, I don't think they were ever going to win it. I don't think Atletico Madrid are ever going to win the Champions League, at least not in this, this campaign. Um, but those are motivators, right? And and I they're going to finish safely in second. Uh, but this does take a little bit of a divot towards them thinking that uh, they've got this good – run of luck right now so let's just go with it and maybe we can catch Bayern Munich which I don't think is is is, is going to happen
1: yeah nobody really is before ever, we move on to anything yeah go ahead yeah, Jim.
2: no I just wanted to jump in because I, I know we're gonna get eager to talk about Italy but uh, Borussia Gladbach, mm. after they announced that their manager Marco Rose was leaving to go to Borussia Dortmund next season or over the summer they have lost six straight matches and, and
1: See that I'm more, I'm on Shang like, if you're watching this on YouTube.
2: Yes, it's 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 unbelievable to me, but also not that hard to figure out because when you have a guy that's in charge, how do you really buy into what he's saying anymore?
1: Yeah, it's insane.
2: It's We've insane. I, why would you I know, but it's just like but the but now we have evidence. We we talked about it, like oh man, there's gonna be a drop-off and it's right. weird it's that he's gonna be. Right, right. Now we have it. We have six straight losses. I mean, this team is good, they're a very good team, and and they're just making mistakes and losing to teams they shouldn't lose to, and it's it's sad. It's a sad state of affairs, and I feel like Munch and Gladbach got screwed by Marco Rose in this deal, and that they should have waited to make this announcement to everybody. They could have maybe agreed to it behind the scenes, and everybody in the front office knew, but to let the players know, yes, I know the players are pros and all that stuff, but when your leader of the guys is is not buying in, or you can't, it's hard. You can't drink the Kool-Aid anymore.
1: Sorry. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. most bizarre thing. And it's one thing for you to say, I'm going, but to a club from another league, which is like bad in itself or whatever. But the fact that you're going against a competitor in the Bundesliga, is yeah. absolutely insane to me. It's insane. It's weird. I don't care if like, you know, that is the German way and you know, it's fine. We're all dealing with, uh, it's just weird to me. It's absolutely yeah, insane. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move to Serie A. I'll give you some scores here and then uh, we'll talk about it. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Torino loses to Inter Milan. So Inter Milan uh, keep on rolling. 2-1. Ronaldo gets a hat-trick. You know, so annoyed about losing to Porto. He decides to, you know, take it out on 17th place. <laughs> what, what, what a hero. Uh, so that's a 3-1 for Juventus. Roma lose to Parma to nothing but Brian Reynolds featured in that one everybody that's a, that's a good little feature for him and as we speak Jimmy what's the latest on the Napoli-AC Milan score
2: yeah 15 minutes left Napoli's up 1-0 and uh, the only news I would say on a positive front for AC Milan ahead of their match against uh, Manchester United this week is that uh, Ante Rabic uh, came into the team so he's back from injury which is which is important because they need somebody to partner with Rafael Leao top
1: yeah, well, I will tell you what. Even if they draw this game, it does. It. Juventus is still right behind them in third place. So Milan very quickly is losing that lead. You can call it on many things, but it's still, uh, you know, something that Milan obviously fans did not want to see. All right, anything else to add from uh, Seria, everybody? Uh, as Inter keep rolling, we still we're still sticking with Inter for for winning this. Uh, Heath.
3: Yeah, I, I think they're going to win this. And and here's why. And here's why I think Juventus are struggling. And, and we've talked about this, not struggling. I mean, Ronaldo, by the way, if you haven't seen it, go watch the highlights. He looked like a man on a mission. It was personal. You could tell that he felt the whole world was hearing his changing of the guard. It's over. It's behind him. Can't win the league. Can't win Champions League and blah, 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 because he was, he was doing things that he hasn't done in a while. The step overs, the hitting, he was literally smashing the ball on his shots in ways that I haven't seen in a while. But with Inter Milan, Nico Barella and Lotaro Martinez are two players that are so important to that team in connecting the lines, the next line to the next line. And when you look, look at, uh, you guys are gonna kill me for this, but Arsenal with, with Smith Rowe and Odegaard, <laughs> okay, right? Here we No, no, go. listen, listen, hear me out. I'm not doing direct lines, uh, like, uh, connections here. But the ability to have these people that are playing on and off the ball, that are connecting the lines, that are able to pass the ball, move, follow it, and have ideas, this, that is what I think Juventus have been missing. And w- when I say Weston McKinney in that position, he doesn't have the ability to do that yet. He is not a natural attacker where these guys first pass is always forward and it's always clever and it's never the first thing. And they just see things more than just 180, 180 degrees. And I think those connections always keep enter in games. They always, they're always in games because one, two combination plays, and they are right on the doorstep. Then you add Lukaku who can body you up in the box and you give him a half turn, half chance and he'll smash it. It just, you know, it, those are like key members of, of these new types of system that help to connect these lines in the attack and always keep these teams in games as opposed to needing Ronaldo. Hey, we need you to have a hat trick today for us to win and we need you to do it in a world-class way. Otherwise, we don't have a chance.
1: No, I think it's a good point. I think what helped Inter tremendously though was just the fact that they just need to only focus on Serie I think if they had, you know, we talked about Um, Atletico Madrid and the headache that is the Champions League, I think the same thing can be said for Antonio Conte and his system because it's so in your face. And when you only have to worry about Serie A, it becomes a little bit of a, I wouldn't say easier, but much more uh, applicable plan that you want to put across because you have like this schedule, you see your opponent, boom, this is what we need to do. Boom, you, you don't need to worry about traveling outside of the country as much, so that helps. But you make a very good point about the players that Inter has and how they can help each other out. Um, by the way, PSG is tying 1-0 against Nantes right now <laughs> with less than 25 minutes to and, go.
3: And if they win, they go top of the top of the league, That's I believe. Right. Uh, That's and Lil L- 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 Drew, L- Drew. Yeah. yeah.
1: So listen, if they win, everybody, and obviously you listen to this after the result, it's fine. But Nantes is in 19th place, okay? So just, 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 just letting you know that, all right? Sheffield United got killed 5-0 by Leicester City. PSG is tying against 19th place Nantes, okay? So just just hitting it out there. All right, well, hey, everybody. That was our weekend recap, and you cannot complain. That was packed, full of amazing information. We took you back to the playing days of Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. It was beautiful. We had some joyous laughs, everything. But before we go, let's ask for final thoughts. Jimmy Conrad, anything uh, as we go to the week ahead, I guess.
2: Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to Latara Martinez. He scored in the 85th minute for Inter Milan. And what I wanted to bring to everybody's attention was I watched body language by the whole team after a goal is scored. Sometimes you see a goal scored, Luis and Heath, and, and you know, a couple guys celebrate with a goal score. He scores. They, they need these wins. You need players to score big goals and big moments to win anything of consequence. He scored it with five minutes left, a tremendous header. And I always wonder about his relationship with Romelu Lukaku. Like, do they really like each other? Because sometimes they're yelling at each other all the time, but maybe that's a sign of love. I don't know. And, and Lukaku was the happiest guy. I mean, he was so fired up. I'd never seen Lukaku so fired up. And it he wasn't for him. who
1: was going to break him.
2: Dude, it was unbelievable. And when I see that type of energy from Inter Milan, I know they're going to go on to win the league. And to Heath's point, Juve are too reliant on, on Cristiano Ronaldo to do it. And with Inter, they have other options, right? If Lukaku's not on, Lutaro's on, if Lutaro's not on, Lukaku's on, or somebody else is going to step up, Barella, Perisic, somebody. And and that's why I think Inter's going to do it. I just love their team spirit right now. And fair play to Antonio Conte. I think he's going to get that Scudetto.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Heath, any final thoughts from uh, anything uh, that you want to talk about right now? The mic is yours. Uh,
3: Yeah, I would say go watch that Martinez goal. It was an off-balance, fully extended header that he connected so well that it was just pure out of will uh, to be able to put that on frame at that point in the game. Uh, and it's really worth watching to just show like kind of what taking over a game is in a big moment is uh, to, to bring three points to your team. And also my, my other closing thought is that uh, if Luis, hears one more, you should have been their story from us, Jimmy, he's going to smash his computer. So. Uh, he's you're just a- jealous. He's just
2: jealous. I, I have, doesn't, doesn't hurt me at
1: all. <laughs> hey, did I say anything? Why am I getting.
2: <laughs> it's part Luis, of- Luis <laughs> texted me in our, in our other group chat
3: that Jimmy's not invited to and was like, Hey, leave that stuff out of here.
2: I'm, that's like usually you're the one that shares the stories so I'm the one listening <laughs> I came in with my own because I thought it was like for like at some point. hey listen
1: page 7 in the CBS Sports Contract whatever happens when Jimmy and he talk about
5: <laughs> <laughs> Let
1: them roll. hey speaking of which by the way uh, the international windows coming up and the uh, US MNT uh, will have two friendly so we're going to have a lot and what better time to do it than with these two fellas as <laughs> <laughs> do it. Um just my final thought: uh, Super Clásico right now going on. Uh, if you didn't watch it, watch it on tape. Right now it's nil-nil, but obviously a good game to watch. And by the way, we talk about Europe so much. A reminder to everybody that the most popular games in the United States of America are Liga MX matches. And there's a huge game tonight in Clásico Nacional as Chivas face Club América. Jimmy, I know that uh, you know you love some Liga MX. It's, it's just a tremendous league. I wonder, hey, final question to you both. Will there be that union, do you think? The MLS Liga MX union?
2: I, I would love it personally. I think that MLS has more to gain than maybe Liga MA Akis with that partnership. Obviously, there's logistical issues with terms of travel and when you play these games. And and I get all that. But if we could leave logistics and, and any <laughs> politics, <laughs> any politics out of it, like from a straight sporting perspective, I think it would be tremendous. And and I think what you do is you you invite an environment of Club America actually coming up to play Galaxy or LAFC with something on the line. Usually when we play Liga MA Keys teams, it's a friendly. They're always friendlies, And yes, those are still chippy, but there's never really anything on the line. And that's why the CONCACAF Champions League games are as exciting as they are, because they don't want to lose to an MLS team. And we want to show that we're better than they think we are. So so to do that on a regular basis, I think would really level up the whole experience, especially from an MLS perspective. Liga MA Keys, I don't know. I, I think it's not they don't have more to gain, but I don't know if they have as much to gain as MLS does.
1: Yeah, let's not forget the transactional business that can happen uh, even more frequently with Twin Busley. I think that would be great. Heath, any, any thoughts from that?
3: Yeah, I, I, I actually think that there's an equitable split there because of the professionalization and commercialization of the sport in the US is far different than Mexico, mm-hmm. right? If you look around the world, everybody wants to get to the US because, and this, take it or leave it, if you're a purist, whatever, uh, I'm sorry, but like the stability of the league in the US is far more stable than most other leagues right now because it's single entity. It's got, you know, it's got its own criticisms as well that that I'm, I'm, I'll am I'm jump on, on on your side for most of those as well. However, everybody is hitting their cap in their domestic country. So everybody is saying, let's put an office in the US. Let's reach those fans. We've got this growing sport here. And so for, for Mexico to the US, the commercialization op- opportunity, the professionalization of these things, uh, the sky is the limit, and they haven't tapped that. In Mexico, they they are at the ceiling of what those big clubs can make. They've had to change the pro rel rules so that people don't, the teams don't get relegated for the next years. They've created all these systems because there isn't that financial stability. And then when you add the competition, MLS has a lot to 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 gain. Uh, the most to gain uh, against playing against that consistent talent in that region is also the culture of the sport there. I think there's a lot of ways where this can be a you know a, a handshake where everyone benefits. And I would love to see it because it's only going to push, like Jimmy said, we all we're all fans of certain teams in Major League Soccer or in Mexico. But when you get to those Concacaf finals or semifinals, if you're a te- if you're a fan of Major League Soccer, it's the one time that you're like, we need an MLS team to win this. We need an MLS team to win this because it validates us and it hasn't yet. And so uh, I, I think there is an importance uh, to that. And then obviously the Mexican teams are saying, you know, we, we own this competition because MLS is not good enough. Uh, so yeah, I, I think, I think it'd be fantastic to see. And I do think it will happen in some shape or form uh, in the near future.
1: I love it. Great points from both of you. Great episode. Jimmy Conrad. Thank you so much, brother.
2: Thank you guys. Always a pleasure.
1: Heath. Thank you, my man.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Everybody, I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Kegolaso Pod. We're on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Kegolaso, where you can watch all the episodes. We are also on the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. You can get your small speakers to listen to us. You can do anything you want. CBSports.com, of course. I hope you have a great evening and enjoy your week. Have a great one.